thing happened last week after the homily. And like, I just want to greet people, right, as we're exiting, because I want to figure out who you are. I don't really have people skills, so I figure if I see you enough, I'll recognize you. Um, so, anyhow, this guy, haven't seen him before, but once again, not great people skills. Um, he stopped me and he says, can I ask you a question? Sure, I'm loaded with opinions. You know that. Um, so I said, sure. So he said, do you have to be a good person to get to heaven? Well, I kind of thought that was a no-brainer. So he said, yeah, yeah, you, you have to be a good person to go to heaven. And then he says, um, yeah, that's what my kid said. My kid said, you don't need God or church or anything. And like, I was like, what? What? <laughs> and he asked a question because remember I talked about Willie who wasn't Catholic? Willie, you can hit YouTube. Um, really, uh, Willie was a saint. Um, wasn't Catholic, but he was definitely a saint. But here's the thing. Willie wasn't a nice person. He was German. But <laughs> Willie, really, because of his wife, um, became this person of incredible self-sacrificing love. So when he says, do you have to be just a good person? He wasn't asking the question I was answering. He, that's a different context. And if you ask it in a different context, you get a different answer. If you're saying, no, you just have to be good to go to heaven. That's a different question. I thought you were talking about Willie. He was talking about his kids who say, you know, you don't need church or anything to go to heaven. Just be good. Well, that's a different type of question. Does that make sense? And let me answer that question. Because, like, I wish I would have caught him. Because, I no, I didn't mean that. I gave you the wrong answer. Kind of. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, the problem with that question is this. Like, I know this couple, a little older than I am, known them for years. And, like, 40 years ago, went to kind of this reception in their backyard, and um, we're at this reception, and there's this beautiful uh, sun umbrella. It's summertime, there's an umbrella there. And somebody said, oh, where'd you get the umbrella? And she said, oh, I got it from uh, Sunset Sporting Goods. And it was only like, I can't remember, 12 bucks. And the person said, 12 bucks? Where'd you get such a, that's beautiful. How'd you get 12 bucks? And she says, well, all you have to do is go over to the price tag and take your fingernail, this is before scanners, and just take it off another item and replace it on the umbrella. So I said, oh, that's called stealing. Now, really, that's called stealing. And it was met with kind of this like, ah, you're such kind of a prude. And here's the odd part, like that couple, um, if you ever met them, they're super, super friendly. Like, oh, we're so friendly, happy, 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 friendly. But they also have the theology that you don't need religion or anything like that. Just be a good person, you go to heaven. The problem with that is how they define good is according to themselves. Their definition of good is as long as you're friendly, that's all that really matters. The definition of good should be, the measurement should be Christ, not your own definition. Because think about this, they're not faithful to the law, they're not faithful to morality, they have a whole history of stealing, 
Um, they have this business. They had the big house, the sports cars, a house in McCall, a house on the Oregon coast. But they, you know, they had the business. But it turned out they didn't pay taxes for years. They're not faithful Americans. They're not faithful to each other as a couple. Um, huge issues there. They'll cheat you blind. But boy, they are friendly, friendly, friendly. So their definition of good is not the definition Christ would have. Does that make sense? Christ's definition of good is self-sacrificing love. They are not from that. And so when he said, well, my kids said, yeah, you don't need church or God, anything. Okay, now I get it. They're defining good according to themselves, not to Christ. Does that make sense? So um, in today's gospel, and this is what reminds me, or sorry, today's um, first reading, um, Samuel says this thing that he keeps repeating. He says, and he repeats it, here am I, here am I. Well, I love that because this is going to make sense hopefully in a second. In the Bible, every time somebody says that phrase, here I am, it means they're willing to sacrifice their life for love of others. So, Abraham, when he's willing to leave his whole life behind, he says, here I am. When Isaac, um, at 33 years old, is willing to sacrifice his life, guess what he says? Okay, why is it always this side? I don't know. Um, and so it doesn't matter, all the holy people, when and now here's the odd part. Usually it's just elderly people who get to the point of their lives where they can say, here I am. It does take a lifetime to die to yourself where you can finally say, here I am. I'll sacrifice everything out of love. Um, so here I am really is a uh, statement of somebody who's spiritually advanced that is no longer controlled by themselves. They're completely controlled by love. Um, that's goodness. So the shocking part in the first reading is Samuel is a little kid. And if you're Jewish, this would have been the shocking part. A little kid has already achieved conquering, you know, completely free. So he hears the voice of God and doesn't recognize it. He thinks it's Eli, his mentor. So he keeps responding, here am I, here am I. And Samuel will turn out to be one of the greatest prophets. So um, think about this. Eli, uh, he's good, but he's good by the definition of God, of somebody who's willing to sacrifice their life for others. He achieved it early. He's a completely new person. And in the story, um, Eli, his mentor, teaches Samuel how to respond. He does say, here I am, but uh, he needs a coach, Eli, to really show him how to sacrifice your life. But he's ready at that point. And Samuel needs Eli. Uh, in order for Samuel to become a great prophet, he needs somebody to show him how to do this. Now, I love this idea that God is always calling us. But we need somebody sometimes to wake us up on how to respond, to become even better. And so... We have parents and godparents and grandparents and this entire community that helps us point the way to become better, not just friendly, 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 happy, 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 
but really to the point of self-sacrifice. Now, the, the background story in today's gospel, or sorry, first reading, is Eli. Eli, in one sense, he was a terrible parent. Uh, he had two sons. If you read the Bible, he had two sons. And as a father, he was far, far too permissive. Sorry, I can't speak tonight. Permissive. And he never corrected his sons. So his two sons, like him, become priests, except they start to abuse women and uh, steal. They're just awful human beings. And so um, God gets upset with Eli, and he says, yeah, I gave you those sons, and you never corrected them. So Eli now has a chance to raise Samuel. And Eli, um, he doesn't harass him. But he points him how to respond. He points him in a direction. Um, and think about this. In today's gospel, the same thing. You have John the Baptist who points his disciples towards Christ. Uh, and he says, behold the Lamb of God. And he points him to the Lamb of God. And then, one by one, they start pointing to other people. Andrew points to his brother and says, oh, we found the Christ. Another brother points to Christ. The point being is that for us to become good, you need a whole community. It does take a lifetime to get to the point where you can say, here I am and truly sacrifice your life, but you don't do it alone. It takes a whole community. So going back to the original story, when the guy said, um, yeah, my, my kid said, you don't need God or a church. Yeah, you need a whole community to point you to the where you can sacrifice your life for others because everybody needs a coach. Everybody needs a coach. So have you guys ever heard of Isaac Perlman? Okay, one person. Um, well, this means that story, this story is not gonna go very well because here, I'll just tell you. So Isaac Perlman was this, not that I really know this stuff, but I just know he was an, a, like the world's best uh, violinist. Um, and they, in this interview, they asked him, he said, well, you know, you're the best violinist in the world. Um, do you have a coach? And he says, well, I don't know about other violinists, but he said, my coach is my wife. And his wife was Toby. She went to, they met at Juilliard, they were musicians, and her full-time job was to go to his concert and critique him. And she was his partner, but afterwards she'd say, you know, you were a little mechanical on that middle part. So here, I think that's just amazing. The world's best violinist and the one he relied on was his wife to say, no, nah, you could improve. He was a great violinist, to be, but become better, you need a coach. You need somebody to point the way. And the truth is, you're not going to improve unless you have somebody who's willing to challenge you. That's what a community does. Or sports. Sports, you need a coach. Coaching is a very American idea because the first coach ever was in 1875. Um, and it was in this football game between Yale and Harvard. And the Yale people hired a coach, which was at that time laughable. I mean, you're all great athletes, you're great athletes, why do you need this coach? Well, guess who won the game? 
Once again, it's this side. I, um, Yale. And for the next 10 years, Yale won their football games. On the 10th year, after a decade of losing, guess what Harvard did? They hired a coach. Yeah, you may all be great athletes, but you need somebody who can push you. Um, the thing is, challenging coaching, it actually works. Or, one more example, in case you missed it, um, the World Health Organization went into rural India because rural India a few years ago had a huge um, infant mortality rate. So um, one out of 10 children uh, after birth would die. One out of 20 women would die. So what do you do? So believe it or not, they sent in coaching. Now, doctors knew how to give birth. Nurses knew how to nurse. They, it, they didn't need more education. What they sent in was these coaches who would watch them and say, oh no, you nurses gotta communicate better with the doctors. You need to be doing this. They didn't, they didn't learn anything else. They just had somebody who was watching saying, no, that, that didn't work out very well. That you could improve here. They didn't learn anything. They just had somebody who kept them accountable. And guess what happened? The infant mortality rate absolutely dropped. Women's lives were saved. In rural villages that didn't have anybody challenging them, the death rate remained exactly the same, incredibly high. And my only point is to get better, you need somebody to point out and challenge you. If there's no challenge, you don't get better. And no offense, for too many years, I think really started in California that everybody, every kid gets a trophy. So then what you get thinking is that I'm good just the way I am. No, you're loved just the way you are. But to get better, you don't give a trophy to every kid. You say, let me tell you how you can improve. You coach them. Does that make sense? Um, so uh, you're not good. You don't become good unless you're challenged. Otherwise, you just stay the, sorry, friendly, friendly, friendly. Um, you need a coach. And so going back to the original story, when he said, oh, that, my kid said you don't need a church or God. What his kids are really saying is, I don't want anybody to challenge me. I don't want to be in a community that pushes me and points me forward. And so you need a community to challenge and point you. So you have John the Baptist who points his disciples, behold the Lamb of God. You have Eli who spends years um, pushing uh, uh, Samuel. Samuel is already really, a, already as a kid, amazing that he can say, here I am. He is not controlled by selfishness. He still needs a coach. And so even like Peter in today's gospel, this is amazing. Uh, his name is Simon. Yeah, Jesus is finally going to change his name. Simon is a coward. Simon is a coward, but Jesus is going to push him and tells him, I'm going to change your name to Cephas or Cephas, which in Aramaic means rock. Um, so Jesus, when he spoke, he would have spoken Aramaic, but the Bible's written in Greek. In Greek, how you say rock is Peter, but it's Cephas. The coward's going to become a rock. It's pretty shocking that basically an illiterate fisherman 
is going to become the head of the largest organization in human history. Not because Jesus says, Peter, just stay the same way you are. All of us are supposed to push each other. And so going back to the original question, can you just be a good person to go to heaven? Depends upon how you define good. You know, the definition of good is the cross, where after a lifetime, hopefully, all of us have a community that will push us and challenge us to become better and better and better until we too can say, here I am. I am not controlled by fear or selfishness or ego. I can completely do the will of God. But you can only do that if you accept a coach, if you're willing to be challenged. That's what I hope for our community. We push each other until we're completely free from our ego. Then we can say, here I am. Hello, this is Father Len McMillan. I'd like to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. If they've been a blessing to you, I'd also like to invite you to prayerfully discern supporting the podcast financially. Your generosity would help support the ongoing production and distribution of the podcast. If you'd like to make a donation, you can simply click the link in the podcast description. Be sure to tell us your donation is for the podcast in the comment section of the submission form. Again, thank you for your support as we seek to share the good news of the gospel. May God bless you for your generosity.